Well, a Goofy movie is the most depressing movie I've ever seen in my life. You think it's depressing? To this day, I think that is one of the most depressing that I've ever Why? seen. Because because Max hates his dad so much. It's and brutal. his dad is just like, clearly, like, that's the point of the movie. Is like, he's trying so hard. Yeah. Max, please. Like, just don't call him the, the, just a fucking idiot for three seconds. He's he's yeah. such a sweet dude. And yeah, he's trying. Man, just you're going to get me like emotional thinking about that movie. Human dog. This is Monsters Conquer the World. Hello. I'm Matt, and I'm joined by... Ralph. And we are here to talk about Ghidra, the three-headed monster. Oh, Ghidra sound. I'll edit it in. Go ahead. Like that. Yep. Uh, It is a 1964 film. It is the fifth entry in the Godzilla series. And it's our first episode, Ralph. Oh, this is going to be... This is it. Yeah. This is history. This is a thing. So, Ralph, I I picked this film for a few different reasons. Uh-huh. It's notably not the first Godzilla movie or the first giant monster movie. So it's like, Matt, what have you done? But but there's a few reasons why I went with this. Uh, the the biggest one is because uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters is coming out soon, and I look at the trailer for that and I see, well, you got Godzilla, you got Mothra, you got Rodan, mm-hmm. you got King Ghidorah. Yep. And then I think like, well, hang on. Ghidorah the three-headed monster has got Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra, King Ghidorah. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, are they kind of sort of remaking this very good movie from the 60s? So yeah, I want to talk about it. I th- it needed to be remade. It's also very good, but needed to be remade, you know? It is a Japanese like, monster a modern, movie from the yeah. 60s. So, yeah, it didn't age like the finest wine in the world, but... Uh, well, it- I did fall asleep <laughs> the first time, but I went back the second time, yeah. and I didn't fall asleep, which means that it was good. Th- that's it, and that's a podcast. There we- We're done. Thank you. Wrap it up. Good work, everyone. Okay, contribute to our Patreon. <laughs> uh, well, the, hang on. Uh, uh, I want to say have, some more things. Don't have a Patreon, There's a so lot more things I want to say about. Don't contribute to our Patreon. No, no, so. no. Well, I mean, do. Please. Please do that. Anyway. Um, the other reason I, wa- I wanted to talk about Ghidra is because it's a major turning point in the franchise. This is the first time Godzilla doesn't lose. All the other movies huh. prior to this... He's either killed or defeated outright. And in this, he's not a villain. He's like fairly chill in this. I, I he's, think. Like, he's, I mean, he's a fucking bonehead. Him and Rodan are dickheads, well, and I love that. Yeah, he like destroys one ship, yep. and then he just like hangs out, and then he and Rodan fight a little bit, but then they're like, oh, I don't know. All like, right. Like brothers or like, you know, like playing around. Yep. They, he's the, just a fucking goofball in this. He's a ding dong, and it's it's ex- at least in my book the comedy holds up because from King Kong vs Godzilla through the next few movies, these are comedies, and I think that gets lost in translation. I think maybe Western audiences didn't get that these are funny on purpose. 
I mean, there's definitely a lot of humor in it, but um, I don't know if it's fully like a comedy necessarily. No, that's you a know, good like point. there's a lot of humor in it, but it, it like it's pretty. I don't know. There's they some play there's some strings in there that I I'm I was trying to like parse without without like about Japanese history without knowing shit about Japanese history. Right. Which is the worst thing I could possibly do. But I tried and I'm I don't know, I have some thoughts on that and you can correct me later. Well, we'll we'll get to that in a sec. Yeah. And I think I actually I think I know probably where you're headed with that. It's not I'm not a genius here. I'm pretty sure you had the same thoughts I did. So Well, you know what? Actually, I'm curious now. Just throw it out there. No, no, no. We'll get to it at the end. Okay, cool. We'll circle back to it. Uh, I'm actually really excited to talk about that because when it comes to symbolism and like layered meaning in Godzilla movies, I think most people are like, eh, it's only the first one. It's only the first one. And it's like, nah. I don't think it is. It, yeah. it, it kept up. It's not in all of them. There's plenty of Godzilla movies where it's just, hey, monsters fighting is cool, right? And right. it's like, yes, I'll sign off on that. But uh, there's, there's, there's definitely meaning in many of them. The, and so this is this is a, a big deal movie. It's a turning point in the franchise. You've got a heroic Godzilla. It's a it's the biggest crossover they had done up till this point because Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan all had their own movies prior to this. So they're all doing the big Avengers thing and crossing over. Um, it's also the introduction of space aliens and and outer space sci-fi stuff into Godzilla, which they would lean into heavily in the future it, when they ran out of ideas or when they realized what a good idea it uh, yeah, would be you know, to it's just like it. the last you know <laughs> you know i mean like when you run out of ideas you send them to space or <laughs> when you have a creative genius like shinichi sekizawa writing your script uh, he is really good yeah <laughs> you know that household name that everybody talks about all ideas. the time yeah. So he he's an interesting cat. I like his stuff a lot. He gave us Minya. Yeah. He gave us Mecha Godzilla. He um in general his approach to giant monster movies is to make them fun. Uh because you look at something like the original Godzilla or Rodan, they're horror movies and they're pretty bleak and they're pretty like creepy and good. But you can't do that forever. You would run out of gas even quicker. You need somebody like Sekizawa to come in and say, "Let's keep this fun. Let's keep this lively." And I don't not to interrupt too much, but I just it just kind of occurred to me that like it uh it makes sense that he would add a lot of humor and playfulness to these creatures like fighting with each other because you you I mean that might happen in nature yeah where you're just like. To them, they're not huge. They are the same size, basically. And, like, they might not necessarily want to kill each other. They just might want to assert dominance over yep. each other. And a lot of times when the animals am, uh, <laughs> fight, they just, they want to, they want to say, okay, I'm better than you. Yep. And they'll just, like, wait until the other animal is down or, like, otherwise, like, like a dog or something would just be like, okay, kind they're, of they're inert. And then they'll be like, okay, well, I guess I won. Like, I don't have to murder you. They're scrapping. We murder each other. Yeah, but that's a just human like, thing. Yeah, yeah, but it just, I don't know, it occurred to me that, like, yeah, they might be fucking around and just, yeah. like, get up and be like, all right, well, let's go do some other stuff. Right? It, yeah. I think you nailed it. It the the 
injection of humor in a strange kind of way makes it feel more re- at least to me yeah. i to me comedy is the ur genre comedy is everything <laughs> not to, like well. i don't know if that's a weird i don't know if that's a weird thing to admit but when it comes to stories and storytelling comedy is my fucking foot in the door for everything and yeah. i think life is funny and I think injecting humor into these monstrous characters, it fleshes out their personality. And in a weird way, it makes it feel a little more real or at least more relatable. Well, yeah, absolutely. Everything can be found to be funny if you are a disgusting person. <laughs> but <laughs> thanks, Ralph. Yeah, no, no, this is no. I, there's Not tons of, hu- there's tons of obvious, very good humor in this. Yeah. And there should be like. There should be a little in in everything, I think. I because th- I think yeah, like I those think are the always is. the best movies. Like even s- the best serious movies, there's like a little something to like pick you up occasionally. Yeah, you know? and it's it doesn't need to be a great pratfall or a gut busting one liner. It can just be kind of an ironic situation yeah. that makes you go, uh-huh, yeah. interesting. This is definitely like. This, they, they get into a little thing. slapstick here, yeah. and I enjoy that very much. But it, it plays it straight. It's never winking at the camera. It's never like, <laughs> isn't this wacky? Yeah. The, it's, it actually it does play out like very naturally. Like, yeah. this actually would occur. Like, this is exactly how this pratfall would happen. It just seemed like a, a bunch of animals screwing Happened around. Out. And, like, you're just watching these animals mess around, and they're doing funny stuff. Yeah. To them, it's very serious. Oh, it's but, deadly like, serious. <laughs> to you, it's the funniest thing it's you've like, ever seen. It's like, what are they doing? Yeah. And the, the, the whole idea of... It's why cat videos are funny. Because yes! don't, they don't care or know it's that you're watching It's life or death them. for them. Yeah. They're, they think they're the smoothest, coolest ever. And yeah. I, oh, I'm certain that Rodan thinks he is the coolest and smoothest ever. Yeah. And they didn't care that we were there, that we were watching them. They don't we're give tiny. shit. We're nothing. They're... They we're kind of let. Oh man, we'll get to this yeah, later. We'll get but to it. my one of my favorite things in this whole franchise is when Mothra tries to have like a summit with them and reason with them, and we he- we get to hear their inner thoughts. And it yeah, it turns out they're just big dickheads. I love it. Yep, it's very good. The other the one last thing, kind of in this uh, vein that I wanted to touch on is. The, the injection of a different genre. We kind of covered that with the space stuff, but the human story is also, you've got shootouts, you've got car chases. It's clearly, uh, let's call it borrowing from James Bond. And that's something that you'll see more in the later movies too. And I think it keeps the human story lively because if you didn't have, if you didn't have that other genre to borrow from, it goes to, it goes back to the standard monster movie human story of, scientists and army guys in a room trying to figure out how to kill the monster and i think that the second time that i watched it and i was awake the whole time um the movie is really about the the humans the whole time like there's the the monsters certainly have a lot to add to the whole thing but it really like felt like i was just watching the story of the princess and uh and you know, or the lady from Venus or whatever you want to call her. But like, yeah, that was, it was about the humans and, and uh, not as much about the monsters. Right. The monsters were like forces of nature that, you know, say a tsunami happened 
or something like that. It would basically serve the same purpose as, um, you know, Rodan coming. Right. And that's a, that's a really good point. It's at this point in the series, the human characters understand like these guys are going to do whatever the fuck they're going to do. And we're just going to try and live our lives under them. Right. Like we can't do anything about it. Big fucking monsters over there. The the best we what can we do, do is we, hopefully we can maybe point them at this other monster and right. resolve this. And I, I love that idea of like, I guess let's just herd them this way and hope for the best. Yeah. It's a fun, it's a fun plot device. And one thing I really love about this movie and this, this kind of, this run of Godzilla movies, they do this thing where, yeah, the monsters are out doing their own thing and the humans are kind of just like, I guess we'll deal with it. The stories do cross paths in really interesting ways. Like uh, later in the movie when uh, the princess is hooked up to the shock therapy machine and the thugs come in and they crank it up to 3000 volts, they're going to kill her. And they're about to turn it on. But then Rodan uh, drops Godzilla dick <laughs> yeah. first onto an electrical power, kills the power, saves the day accidentally. Amazing. And we see that again later yeah. when, um, when the thugs are catching up with Shindo and the princess and Ghidra's fucking shit up and it causes a landslide and it takes out the car. <laughs> right. Like there's this, th- this interplay that they're not separate. They're not fully separate stories. Right. But it's just, there are these forces of nature. We're at their mercy. and some you know their their bullshit uh is going to interfere with our ability to live our lives yeah it's almost like ambient sort at, at at a certain point because like yeah like they've been dealing with these things for so long yeah mothra is putting on a show for people she you her know, fairies like, are celebrities yeah so like we're aware that these guys are here and we've just we've accepted it and like I don't know. We do that all the time with yep. like really say there's something really horrifying that happened. <laughs> and then a few weeks later, you accept it as oh, yeah. normalizing. Yeah. So I'd that's what they've Mothra. done. <laughs> I would seriously. Like I'd rather have Mothra. <laughs> I would take Godzilla any day <laughs> because I, I could seriously look at Godzilla and be like, yeah, can't do anything about that one. That's just going to happen. Got fire breath. He's just going to do his thing. It's uh yeah it's it's a it's a really fun world and it's built in subtle ways and it's uh it's my favorite shit in the universe it's it's very good um so we talked about we talked a little about about the screenwriter Shinichi Sekizawa and you had mentioned that despite it being this crazy science fiction story full of monsters and aliens and shootouts and shit. Yeah. You, uh, one thing you said that I, I really latched onto uh-huh. was, uh, it felt, yeah, I think you said it felt natural. E- there was like this natural yeah. kind of feeling to it. And I ascribe that to director Ishiro Honda. He did the original Godzilla. He did, I think the first 12 Godzilla movies and some other monster pictures for Toho. Uh-huh. But before that, he was directing documentaries. Oh, so okay. this is a guy who really understood regular life, real people in the real world. And I think he brought that warmth and humanity to these crazy sci-fi stories. Yeah. And it should be mentioned right now that like I don't know anything <laughs> about Godzilla movies at all. Matt is just uh, going to explain a lot of things to me, so I, I guess I'm, we should I'm have observing. had an intro. We should have maybe hashed it out <laughs> earlier, but you know, I'm just uh, I'm watching these things 
fairly fresh. I've seen like a movie, um, and I saw the '98 Godzilla, but Yay. basically, I'm just I'm I'm like making, I I don't know. I'm forming my own thoughts on them, and, and I'm allowing Matt to just blow them out of the water. <laughs> no way. No, I do. I did take some uh, uh like one note on Shinichi uh, Sekigawa. Yeah. Uh, and you, you, the thing was, like, he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be the fun one, right? Yeah. Because he had, like, a partner, um... Yeah, his, and his partner, his partner was, was the big bummer. Takeshi Kimura. Yeah! And he was, yeah, he was supposed to be, like, more politically minded or something like that, but Shinichi apparently, like, always used, like, capitalists, like, greedy capitalists. Oh, yeah. Like, the, yeah, the creating problems for, like, all these monsters to solve... And it's like, well, that's pretty political, you know. It is whether you like it or not. It's it. I think it's. I don't know if unfair is the right word, but yeah. The other the other guy, I forget his uh, name. It's already. not unfair, right? But, <laughs> but yeah, it is. He gets, like, but but yeah, yeah, yeah. The other guy gets labeled as the. They serious... are the people who's going to fuck it up, right? Uh, but maybe he's just more like laser focused. Like he's like, I this is what I think it is, and, and maybe, you, you know, you just want to have fun anyway and like like you said like when you just um you you have to find some humor in there somewhere even though it's like a, a horrifying thing right that these monsters are destroying um i don't know a whole country i just want to say when i said when i when the word unfair came out of my mouth i don't oh. think it's unfair to vilify corporate scum because oh. Fuck oh, those it's guys. Unfair it's unfair to label Shinichi. Yeah. Shinichi as like purely apolitical because yeah, you nailed it. He he was uh, a very humanist kind of dude. He um he I I I would say he was shaped by his time in World War II. Basically, spent five years in the shit, yeah, getting eaten alive and not eating. And so he came out of that with kind of this like lust for life, this like eat, drink, and be merry kind of mentality. And I think that that joy comes through to these movies. Yeah. But at the same time, he's not afraid to say, Hey, these guys can go fuck themselves. Right. They're the real villains. Well, yeah. If, I mean, if he was in the war too, he probably understood, um, how to have like levity in, in, in sort a dark of place, ignore a lot of really obvious, horrifying things that are happening around you and yeah. still just to, like have fun or look at something horrifying and be like, Oh, and, and move yeah. on and live. Yeah, well, he's an right. interesting dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of his stuff. We should definitely watch the movie before this, Mothra vs. Godzilla, because that is the that is the specific one to have some of the best corporate scum villains ever. Yeah. They're 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 these two sleazy promoters, and they are like gangster shitheads, and it's it's great. Yeah, it's promoters. Yeah, always sleazy. Yeah. At real life and and otherwise. Yep. Not sorry to any promoters out there. <laughs> oh no, shots fired. Yeah. Oh, we lost all our promoter <laughs> listeners, Ralph. Okay. Yeah. It's oh, over. I really wanted to keep Oh the... shit. Um, we don't have an audience now. Cool. I want to tell you about AJ Subaraya. Please do. Does that name ring a bell? Nope. Okay. He is the guy who invented Suitmation. Oh. 
Is suitmation a thing you've ever heard? I'm going to guess it's where a guy puts on a suit uh-huh. and waves his arms around. That's a big part okay. of it. Okay. So when they made the original Godzilla, they King Kong is the hottest shit ever. Everybody who makes special effects movies has a boner for King Kong. The movie actually holds up and is a good, crisp monster movie mm-hmm. and is part of why Godzilla even exists. There was a re-release, a theatrical re-release of King Kong in 52 and it made fucking bank. Toho saw that and was like, Hey, we could make a monster. Okay. And they recruit AJ Subaraya who, uh, prior to making monster movies made propaganda movies. Uh (laughs) Not great, but, uh, his specifically his miniature, uh, like fighter jets, the aerial combat footage that he did Mm. was so convincing that the allies bought it it, under the impression that it was actual footage (laughs) of like actual exercises. Well, they were really dumb back then. (laughs) Or it looked really good. It did. did. I'm sure it did. Yeah. So he, they say, all right, AJ, we're making a monster movie. It's, uh, I think at that point it was still just called G. They didn't have like a set name for it. The, the development of the original Godzilla is interesting. At one point it was going to be a big octopus. Uh, oh wow. Right. Yeah. A little different. Uh, and, but they're like, okay, here's this movie. Uh, make a, make a monster for us. And he's like, oh, I'm a big King Kong fan. Let's do this shit in stop motion. And then he kind of did the, the mental calculus of how much time and money that would take. And he's like, Oh, that would take me like seven years. And we got six months. Uh, uh, put a guy in a suit. And, and the rest is history. Like a whole genre of movies and TV, like birthed from his like quick thinking and ingenuity. And it's, I, I fucking love it, Ralph. I love, there's something so magical about a, a team of folks building an intricate, an intricately yeah. modeled and designed miniature city. And then making a bitchin' monster suit that an actor can put on and act. He can, he or she can emote, use their body language to create a character. And then also, oh yeah, stomp the shit out of that city. And also they're going to shoot live fireworks at that guy. And also they're going to put him in like a 30 foot pool of water and hope he doesn't die. It, it is weird how much more, um, how much, how much easier it is to react to a guy in a suit very obviously stomping on some buildings and sparks flying up, I react to that more than a CGI monster, yeah. uh, you know, traipsing through New York or something like that. Like, it just doesn't look, it doesn't look like anything to me. It doesn't look, it's not even that it looks real or fake. It's just like, oh, okay. Well, I guess, you know, but like you see a dude in a suit, there's something the visceral city. about it. It's yeah. There's something completely different. Like I can understand that that is at least a real thing that is occurring in front of me. Exactly. Yeah. Those are all things happening live and in camera. Yeah. Versus even if you go back uh, again to to stop motion and Ray Harryhausen, that stuff looks great, but it's not alive like no, guys in right. suits are. Yeah. It doesn't look. It doesn't look right at all. It doesn't look natural or. It's it's um, harder to get a performance out of a puppet or a CGI model, right? And well, I guess I should I don't know I shouldn't even say that because that was terrifying to people at the time. Just yep. like the stop motion claymation 
stuff that looks terrible to us. Like people were like, oh no. I, I want to throw it out there. I don't think the stop, I love stop motion animation. Yeah. King Kong was stop motion and that that's a performance. That's a character. Yeah. It's, it's a mixed bag. I, I don't want to, I don't want to say suitmation rules and stop motion sucks. I actually love them both, right. but for very different reasons. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's, I, I there's get that. Stop. I personally think that stop motion just doesn't look like it's creepy to look at, yes. but I don't look at it and go like, "Oh my god, it's a monster!" Right? I'm like, "That's a claymation," and it's creepy because they, <laughs> you know, just you can see the frames, the herky like, jerky, yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah that's movement. all. It's just kind of uncanny valley sort of stuff. Well, maybe we should watch some Harryhausen stuff. Maybe, maybe that, that we might, should. That might uh, that scare might... the pee out of me. Well, I don't know if it'll. <laughs> I don't know if any of these are no, scare me. scary to no, a mother. No, please, Matt. Scare me Rawr. with your stop motion. <laughs> with the seventh voyage of Sinbad, <laughs> Ralph's going to piss his pants watching Clash of the right. Titans. They're fun. Oh, no. <laughs> Here comes the Kraken. Oh, the Kraken. Oh, special guest Don Knotts. Oh, yeah. There he is. You know what? I realized uh, I was so excited to talk about AJ Subaraya. Like, we we got your intro in the bag. I didn't give myself an intro. An intro? Like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, like your said, oh, familiarity yeah, with the genre. I'm just like, oh, let's fucking talk about it. But, 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 but. but uh, so I run a blog called Monsters Conquer the World, and I've been at it for four years, and I write stupidly long reviews of these movies because I'm obsessed with this shit. I've been obsessed with it since I was a little baby boy, and there's something primal about, I don't know, man, as a th- it still, as a 35-year-old man, if I'm spacing out and daydreaming, there's like a 90% chance I'm thinking about a giant pissed-off dinosaur suplexing a robot from outer space through the Empire State Building. Because that's my favorite shit in the world. That, it's, to me, that is the height of fiction. The ultimate in storytelling is these big, weird monsters beating the piss out of each other and us scrambling, you know, human beings scrambling underfoot. There isn't, I mean... There isn't anything better. Like, you know what I mean? It's just the peak of storytelling is is probably uh, exactly at that at that level of goodness. Thank you, Ralph. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. I really appreciate. I can't that. say that there is anything better than that. Oh man, that that really does. There's a lot uh, of stuff worse than that. Yeah, can't say yeah. that there's anything better. Finally, fucking finally, somebody agrees with me. Yeah, there was you know, part of. No, but I I believe that because uh, because when I watched this movie, it felt like there was a lot more to it, yeah, than just the monsters suplexing each other or whatever. Right, but like, also also you but do also, get monsters yeah. suplexing each other. It's kind of the RoboCop effect, right? You have to have everything in there, yeah. Where uh, you can you can watch it and just enjoy the spectacle, but yeah. there is also like a heart. And symbolism and and a thought underneath it all. I think that's what I was getting at very awkwardly. (laughs) We actually have been talking a lot longer than this. This has been a proper show, so (laughs) my brain's starting to go. Uh oh. But anyway, um, what what were where were you in the year? Next thing. Uh yeah, in our next thing. Oh yeah, the so I, I like to talk about. So the the reason why I mentioned Sekizawa and Honda and Subaraya is because these are the guys who 
created the original Godzilla. They're the founders of this whole thing. And one important piece, actually two important pieces of that puzzle that are in this movie are uh, the composer, Akira Fukabe, who, of course, did the original Godzilla theme, the... And he did a ton of these movies. He scored a lot of the Toho monster movies, including this one, uh, which has a really evocative score. It's very fitting because it's still that thundering monstrous sound, but it's also tinged with harps. Did you notice the harps? I, yes. And I also like just had one note by itself. This is music so much better in, uh, in the Japanese version than, than in, because I watched the, uh, the English dub. Yep. And then I watched the Japanese version after. It's just so, it's a totally different, some scenes are totally different. Yep. Like with the different music. I'm really glad you said that because I was worried when, when you started saying that, I was like, oh shit, is he going to say he liked the stock cues no, in the U.S. cut? Because no. those are, those are iconic, but if the score, the, the original score is like powerful and. Yeah. And the, it's, it, 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 even when it's not necessarily powerful, it is exactly right for whatever moment that. Whatever is happening on screen, it's exactly right for. And the Ameri- the the dub was just like, whatever, put put whatever in there. Monster music. Yeah, we need some spooky monster music, like the the scene well, that jumps. I keep thinking out. of when they're walking through the forest yes! and they find yes, it, and it's just wrong. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's it's a it's a stock cue that they used in Ren and Stimpy a lot. Like that's how I know yeah. that piece. Oh, right. And it's like what they're just walking through the woods, guys. Right, but the original music. Uh, sort of like made you more interested in the scene. Like it made you more interested in what they were actually doing. It plugs you in. Yeah, yeah. In in um, I mean that's the kind of thing like that that music can bring about like a sense of wonder in you, and you like look at the screen harder. Yeah, it's just what it's there for, you know. And anyway, what were Mu- you music is like fifty percent of a movie. It's crazy how much it it drives your emotional response to a movie. Mm-hmm. It's and it's really important for this movie, I think, because the, the it is this big apocalyptic spectacle, but it's also it's there's this there's I've never said this phrase out loud, but I think it, I think about this phrase a lot and I think it applies. But to I movies. type it a lot when I'm texting and then I delete it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This isn't this isn't I don't it's just kind of silly. <laughs> I think of this movie as a wonderful fantasy. Oh, okay. That's that's the phrase that comes to mind, and the inc- specifically the inclusion of the harps. Yeah, you've got this, you know, this bombastic, you know, brass stuff, and then you have right. you somebody going crazy on the harp, and I think that's so perfect because that sums up like, okay, we got to talk to these tiny fairies to get help from a bug god, uh-huh. and it's it it's like a perfect crystallization of how like batshit and fun and fantastical this is and Mm -hmm. if you compare that to the original godzilla which i love it's a great flick but that's such a bleak atomic nightmare oh god and this is such a colorful like anything could happen this is magical kind of fantasy and it uh yeah wonderful fantasy yeah i mean at least the parts with yeah you always get that vibe from mothra that like Okay, this is definitely like a fantasy right now. Yeah, Just we've like, we've we crossed over. Harps yep. When when she comes around, you're like, "Oh, yeah. Here she is. There's Mothra. She's the best." Uh the the dubs 
too. Like, I know that you like watching the dubs because you like watching the, um, you just like watching the the monsters do their thing more. Well, and it's a visual sort of thing, right? You you don't have I I like the subtitles too because especially the performances are better yeah you know you can you can read the text and you hear the inflection of the actors and it's a more natural experience but then your eyes are bouncing your eyes are constantly flicking to the bottom of the screen and these are spectacle movies yeah and they kind of demand your full visual attention i mean i liked watching it both ways i just i probably wouldn't always have time like i would probably choose the japanese if i had to choose one or the other but i liked seeing both um and especially for the music you know yep but the the dubs kind of felt like like when I watched it the second time in the Japanese, it occurred to me that the dubs, um, like the it the hearing the the inflection of the actors, um, was very helpful, and it was like sort of in the way like it reminded me of like what if um I was trying to watch like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies after Hercules in New York. <laughs> And they still dubbed him, you know, <laughs> yeah. like they just never let him talk. Right. And you like never know what he was. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know he's terminated. You'd never <laughs> hear that. Yeah. You would just miss that entire dimension of this insane person's voice. I was just losing my mind picturing Hercules in New York over like commando. <laughs> I haven't, I, I have to admit, I haven't, I've heard a lot about Hercules in New York, but I haven't sat down with it. I know he's dubbed. You never did? I, yeah, I, I know it's a big blind spot it's for me. horrifying. Like, what is a, what's a classic Pre- Arnold line? Just throw one out. I'll be back. I'll be back. Oh, no. You know what I mean? I'll be back. Oh God! That's, they gave him like there we go. like upstanding white yeah. guy voice. Yeah, you go. I am a Hercules. Jesus. Christ. Yeah, it's just like no, and it would be like really accurately spoken. You know, <laughs> hello, very enunciated. I am Hercules. It, yeah, it was like watching a film strip. Right, it was the film strip voice. <gasps> oh sure, like an old newsreel. <laughs> yeah. And get it, to the chopper. Yeah. Oh, chill. <laughs> mm, stick around. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're one ugly motherfucker. You are luggage. <laughs> Eraser. <laughs> you know, Ralph, you're kind of making the opposite argument. Now I want to see yeah, yeah, all of the got, Arnold movies with this boring all of voice. Movies in Hercules from New York. <laughs> uh, so, oh, way off topic. Yeah, I lo- no, dude, tangents. I love tangents. What were we talking about? I don't know. Nothing. So. Final final verdict on the dub. It's good, and but it's not as so you I, lean, the music. You the the music was offensively different. Yes, the the the, the audio. Um, oh my god, the dialogue. I'm going to start that over. The music was offensively different, but the dialogue was fine. Cool, but you know it doesn't matter to me that she was from Mars instead of Venus. Or well, whatever. sure, that's you know, very like, uh, that's very granular yeah uh it's a weird it's weird that they changed it but who gives a shit it's just the same thing as like with anime where i'm just like yeah i just rather hear him talk however it was originally totally and um what's interesting is that this is 
this is the last movie where when they brought it to the states they made pointless changes like with the music yeah so from from here on out there are relatively few changes between the original and the dub and the dubs stay pretty good until the 70s and then they take a huge nosedive because there's a different team Hmm. uh dubbing them it's it's toho's like international team which is this like two-bit operation i think based out of hong kong so they all have weird english accents in the 70s we gotta watch a 70s movie yeah dubs are wild yeah (laughs) but uh yeah the first five godzilla movies when they brought them to the states like we need to change shit we need to cut stuff out and change the music and it's like it's a it's a movie guys just translate it what are you doing i don't know i don't know it's weird But this is this the sixties. I stand by. This is an unpopular opinion. If you, if Ralph, if you jump into the Godzilla fan uh, sphere, yeah. you're not going to find a lot of love for any of the dubs. And I think that's unfair. I think the sixties dubs are solid. Oh, so like the snobs don't like the dubs? Yeah, surprise. Oh, okay. Well, the, I guess I'm one of those. <laughs> I'm <okay. laughs> Later movies, the like from the seventies on, I'm yeah subs are the way to go but the 60s dubs they were trying they had actors like doing it george takei was in the second one as the really? yeah in, in the dub crew yeah huh it's fun it's it's fun ralph Ooh, good yeah do you I'm know the last you're... founder of godzilla that i want to talk about is actually an actor it's the suit actor for godzilla haruo nakajima hmm. he was he he played godzilla up through Godzilla vs. Gigan. Did them all in a row. Balls to the wall, crazy stunt dude. He was the fucking guy you could light on fire. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. So they're <laughs> like, okay, we'll put him in the 200-pound rubber suit and shoot fireworks at him and almost drown him and shit. Yeah. Total pro. The the first movie, that original suit, when they didn't really know how to make monster suits yet, yeah. weighed about 200 pounds. Awesome. And when they, would, when they would yank him out of that thing, they would take the foot and just dump out like a quart of sweat. <laughs> it was a fucking nightmare. Uh, the movie movie i think it was varin varin is another toho monster movie it's kind of underwhelming I, th- I think it was varin he uh his his junk caught on fire because they're they shoot fucking fireworks at the guy in the suit and his oh. nuts caught on fire and he didn't say anything until the scene was caught because he's a fucking pro yeah. it's he's such a cool dude you gotta get the shot yeah and he he totally he got that he when kind of creating the character of Godzilla. He studied bears. Like he went to the zoo and mm-hmm. that was kind of the the thing that he chose. And you can kind of see it in its posture and the way he walks. Yeah. And I really like the 2014 Godzilla. They went back to that. They, oh. when they looked at real world animals for inspiration, one of them was bears. And wow. I, I think that's, I don't know. I think that's really cool. But yeah, Haru is kind of the dude. He, he, he brings a lot of personality and makes it, he helps make it a character. And that's, I always uh, want to give that dude a shout out because he fucking rules. Yeah. Do you want to dissect great... the plot, Ralph? Is that where we're at? Yeah. Let's dissect the plot. How you doing? This is what I was thinking. All right. This is my. You want, um... you want to take a break? No, no, no. We're good. I'll, I'll, uh. So like the, this is what I was thinking. Yeah. My, my limited, my entire knowledge of Godzilla is that the first one is about nukes, nu- nuclear stuff. And 
um, full disclosure, I fell asleep during the original Godzilla as well. They're slow-paced movies. They They're are very, movies. very, yeah, very, very slow. But, you know, I followed enough of it and sort of halfway understood what this device was that they shoved in the water to pull all of the oxygen out. Yeah. Which is, what? Just cuckoo bananas pseudoscience. About? It's nonsense. It's yeah. just going to pull the oxygen out. Yeah, you know. It's not going to be water anymore. Right. <laughs> What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Hang on, Ralph. They didn't pull the oxygen out. They destroyed it. Okay. Oh, they it's like the blew oxygen it up. Oh yeah, they destroyer. blew it up. Okay, Ralph. Yeah, maybe I if you were awake for the movie, you would have got that. Oh yeah, it's it's on fire now. <laughs> it perfectly makes sense. We're gonna. <laughs> it's very realistic science. You know, but for real, I I I don't take it. It doesn't hurt my feelings when you're like, oh, I kind of conked out during this because I think that's no. a symptom of. I don't think that's a dig on the quality of the movies. I think that's a statement about how older media is paced. Yeah, it's it's not meant to be an insult. Like, I don't say that I fell asleep because it's like, oh, this movie sucked. I right. was just like, it, there will, it wasn't keeping me all that it's, enthused. They're, they're like, kind of low-key in a weird way. There's sort of like a low-level hum throughout yep. all of them where yes. you're just like, I'm a very sensitive to white noise. It's kind of soothing. And just like... Uh, that's I love it, and like I fall I'll fall asleep like easily if yeah. uh, if there is a if there are a bunch of people in the house talking yeah because there were just always like people in my house growing up just it's like calming fucking just like yeah and when I think of the movies that I watch that aren't Godzilla movies almost none of them are from before the seventies unless it's like a classic something like uh. Casablanca or something like that. Yeah. I don't really watch movies from before the seventies and it's a, or Hitchcock. I'll fuck with some Hitchcock. Yeah. I love, I love that stuff, but pre seventies stuff, it's paced differently. Uh, I think a great example is when, when Jess and I watched uh, Star Trek, the original series. And it's like, you could have cut those episodes down to like a half hour. Uh, some of them. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, when you when you have to fill an hour and you don't really have an hour of plot, right? But I don't know. I I always really enjoyed those anyway. But just like, sort of because they were they were like sort of chill. Just like oh, I yeah. don't know. I really liked just looking at it. I just really liked looking at it. That's right. that's what I mean to say. I loved looking at that show. Yeah, and just it's like a beaut. The, the yeah. The design of everything in the show was just like beautiful to me and just like stark. Yeah. And probably they, it was stark because it had to be because it was like cheap, but, but it, it worked. They pulled it off in like an artsy way. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very space age and it looks intentional and they did a lot with a little. And it's like super clean and, and uh, I don't know. I just loved it. It feels futuristic, and I didn't. But I didn't mean to drag Star Trek specifically. I bet though that I fell asleep during some Star Trek. Right, too. it's that same so, thing because yeah. I know I've done it. I've felt, yeah. I've fallen asleep during Godzilla movies too. Like, For sure, it's, you ha- like it's gonna happen. There's something. It's it's a pacing thing, and you know what's funny is the flip side is true too. There are movies now. I would say within the last five or ten years where i'm like this is fucking frantic i don't even know what's really happening or i don't have uh-huh. you're not giving the characters any breathing room to develop and you're not giving me any breathing room to develop an emotional connection to anything that's happening right you're just kind of firing bullshit at me nonstop. And I, yeah. so i wonder if it's like it's like maybe an age thing 
Because, like, older yeah. folks love older movies. Yeah. And they say the same shit about, you know, movies that came out in the 80s and 90s. Well, and it was, yeah. I so mean, it was a probably, taste like, thing? true for that. Oh, it could be a taste thing. Uh, like, or just what we're conditioned to, like, uh, interpret as a story. I think, I think just when you're younger, you're just, like, very satisfied to just take everything in, like, it, whatever it is. You're just like, wow, cool. I'm just happy to be here. Right. <laughs> You know, oh, and yeah. now we just like want everything to be like Perfect. every action should have meaning. And yeah. we're like, Ugh, these Avengers, there's too much. That's how I am. And I mean, there's too much going on. You're not, you're not wrong. I, that's how I feel every time I try to watch them. It's just like, I don't even know what's happening. I'm going to, you know, you kind of, I don't want to watch out. this anyway. I, I don't even know who's good and who's bad. You know what's you know what's great about this movie? You know who's good and who's bad very easily. Oh, in this, yeah, this one. Um, my my thoughts on this were okay. So Godzilla's sort of either he's meant to be like sort of literally the bomb, or he is fear of the bomb. The West. We dropped a bomb on two of their cities. Uh, bigger than. Anything that had ever happened before and since. Yeah. Godzilla's supposed to be the most horrifying shit the world has ever seen. Just yeah. Unreal. <clears throat> so um that is uh that is what I know of Godzilla right there. And then Rodan, since I've never seen a Rodan movie, uh, you might have to like correct me on this, but it it's it seems like Rodan comes out of the ground, right? Mm-hmm. He comes out like you got Godzilla comes from the sea. Yes. The sea at that time could be interpreted as others. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the unknown. Right. That would be representative of, say, the West or whatever. Like people from outside Japan. Like we, you know. And Rodin being something that would come up from the Japanese soil. Like I think I read, I did do some light reading. There was a coal mine or something. Right? Yeah. And the original in the Rodan, the original Rodan well, movie places yeah. that people work like working class people come yep. from. And in this movie, he does come up from the soil. I didn't see it was a coal mine, but that could be like J- Japanese, like fears, like their own, their own selves, like um, coming up from the, the soil yeah. And and threatening to destroy them, like themselves. That's how I sort of interpreted Rodan as someone who's never really watched these movies. Um I my next note here is uh well I'll I'll do Mothra cuz Mothra's would seem to me like to blatantly be just like Japan itself as like a hopeful entity where like uh it's she's Everyone's super happy with Mothra, and I totally understand because I see Mothra and I get really happy. Yeah, but like, you know, their like sense of patriotism or like love, or like uh, this one, um, the old Mothra's dead, right, or something. Yeah, yeah. And and it's a a larva, right. So that could be seen as like a, a a new Japan sort of like, um, that would kind of like. Maybe the the old Japan, the old sense of like 
pride. Maybe those things are kind of going away, and the new the new Mothra would re- represent like a new sense of national pride. Because like I was reading that around this time they were like sort of trying to re-enter the world stage as like you know they were seen as not great people for a little while, right? And uh, they did a whole lot in between to sort of change that image and i know in 1964 when this movie came out they had been angling to get the olympics for a little while like they were trying to make like a a statement to themselves and to other people like we're over all of that shit you know we're sorry sorta and we're in, we're in as like much a as nation a, of the future yeah, in as much as a nation could do that because right. you know like we don't all agree on shit either but yeah um that's how i kind of interpreted mothra I also I also read that this is the first Godzilla movie to not include military vehicles. How fucking weird is that? Is that right? I didn't yeah, I didn't I didn't know that <clears throat> until I started doing research and I saw that note and I'm like that can't be right. And then I watched the movie last night and yeah. no shit, no tanks, no planes, no jeeps, nothing. So it blew my mind. If if any of this that I am saying is even remotely true, then you've got Godzilla representing the West, Rodan um, representing like the fear of, or Japan's own fears, and Mothra representing Japan's own sort of hope. Yeah, pride almost. So you've got Godzilla and Rodan fighting with each other. You've got Japan's fear and the fear, their fear of the West, like fighting against each other. And like, oh, it's like, and which hit- one's going to win? Right. And Mother's like, hey, guys, chill. Like, this this could be a lot better. Like, you know, we could take on, um, well, you know, Ghidra would be a whole nother, like, a whole nother set of others, I guess. Right. Whereas, like, we all need to get together. We need to harness our fear. We need to get together with the West, which is something that they were just kind of doing anyway. Right. And then we need to, you know, put all of our love and our hope into into this like and band together, yeah. And work together to defeat this whatever. I I honestly did not figure out like what Hydra could represent, which is it's the name on the damn DVD case. Right. And I still didn't bother to figure out what he could be because it's it would be such a thorny issue at that time. Um, uh, what I just uh, I love your interpretation. It's insanely smart because. Everything I know about this movie points to it being one of the ones that doesn't really have that much meaning attached to it. Well, so (laughs) your reading of it is extremely like engaging and smart. And I've not heard that before. Well, that fucking rocks. (laughs) That's so good. Sort of pulling it out of my my ass. But also, like, I did some reading on it. I don't know. Um, But oh, yeah, that it makes sense that they wouldn't have military vehicles in this movie. Because they're not trying to fight the monsters. Yeah. They're saying, hey, like, we can do this together. We can work this out yeah. and join forces. Yeah. Like, this is bigger than our stupid military. You yeah. know, like, we're like, this is how we defeat Ghidra. Right. Um, which is probably communism or some shit. Well, the, the, the one thing that I've. I know Japan does not like communism. <laughs> right. The uh, the one thing I've heard about Ghidra, and this is a, this is probably a stretch, uh, is that he 
potentially represents anxieties about uh, China entering the space race. Oh, that makes some sense. That's that. Yeah. That's always been the only meaning I've pulled from this movie is like, ooh. Well, yeah, a country like entering the space race is sort of like a country that wants to enter, you know, uh, host the Olympics, like like right. Japan wanted to at the time. It's just like a broader statement of intent, like we're technologically advanced. That's what they were trying to say, you right. know. And like with with us in Russia and our and our dicks swinging over like, uh, space race shit. It was just. There was, there was no point. Right. Why would we go to the like? Of course, there's Cold things. War stop. Madness. There's things to learn from going to the moon. Yes, but, it's very valuable. But, but at the, the same time, it's like, was... why the fuck do you want to go to the moon so bad? <laughs> and why? It's just because someone else is doing it. Why is it a race? Right. And why are we racing to the moon? Let's just get there. You can get to the moon second. Let's it's help still each other really, get there. It's super impressive. Yeah, it's an amazing the, achievement. I've never for, been there. You haven't? So no, it's nice. I. It would be impressive <laughs> if I went. Yeah. Even if you went first, right? It'd be less impressive. It would involve to you. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I, I really love your reading of uh, the different monsters, and it makes me think of the the first sequel, Godzilla Raids Again, yeah. is um, Godzilla fighting another mutated dinosaur monster called Anguirus. And the primary symbolic reading of that is kind of what you touched on uh, Cold War anxiety with one being the U.S. and one being Russia and Japan being caught in the middle. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. That that makes sense. That was something that was weighing on everybody at the time, right? Yeah. I mean, you'd think. Yeah. And I think, um, I think whether it's something that was handled uh, up front story-wise, it's something that would be painting everyone's expectations and kind of the mood... Right. Of the audience watching it. And that and that's like back to what we were talking about earlier with like the monsters kind of being a force of nature that they that normal people like Princess Selgina Princess of Selgina or whatever you would say, they're ig- they're just sort of ignoring it. It's just like, yeah, you know, those guys do their thing, they kinda fight and right. whatever, we got our own problems. And uh, yeah. Um I mean I saw the princess as like just like a, I mean, she's supposed to be like this monk-like character where, yeah. What did she's you, got what the, did you she, make of the she, fictional nation of? I think Selgina. I think it's just call? something that like it can't be a real country, sort of, because she's just sort of she's supposed to be otherworldly anyway. Like yeah. she's supposed to be a totally foreign, foreign entity. Yeah. She's a princess, and then she's becomes like this pseudo catatonic like. Um, very eerie, like prophetess. Prophet, yes, and she, they make a big deal about her bracelet the whole time. Yes, they're like, well, she's not the princess because she doesn't have her bracelet, and she couldn't possibly remove a bracelet. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, that's stupid <laughs> enough, but I, I figured the bracelet was probably like she, she gets rid of the bracelet when she becomes aware of all of these. Like, what's going to happen with the monsters? Like, she right. sees all of these forces coming before they before they show up. And she tells people about them, and they obviously laugh at her. Because right. anytime a prophet comes around, and they're totally fucking right, 
no one believes them. Yeah. So I felt like the bracelet is like a like giving up of like earthly sh- stuff. Yeah. Like you're a princess or whatever, but like you take off your golden bracelet, you're you know, I'm yeah, giving up finery. that life. Like I've seen something more important is on the horizon here. Oh. And it's a big Godzilla with fire breath and <laughs> And it's going to blow up, up a ship, boat. and I'm going to tell you it's going to blow up a ship, and then you're not going to listen to you're me. You're not going to listen. And then you're not going to listen to the next thing I say either. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's like no matter how many times throughout history that these things occur to us, we never listen to anyone yeah. when they say, like, look, we need to disrupt your lives a little bit for a little while. So that we can take care of this. Everyone's like, ha, no, you fucking idiot. Status quo forever. Everything is fine today at this very moment. So it's going to be like I this worry? forever. Right. It, and I don't know. That's how I saw the princess being just yeah. like this the prophetess. It's a, it's a very classic like archetype. It was a Jesus thing. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. It's, I mean, not really. Well, ma- less less Jesus and just more the the literary tradition of an oracle who is uh, yeah, is just, ridiculed yes. and and yeah. not listened to really and super fucking right, like not, cursed with knowledge. Because yeah, it's not like she died and came back, but well, she did yeah, die and come back. Sorta, yeah, yeah, she fell out of a plane, which yeah. would kill me and you. It would. It didn't kill her. Unless we fell into an alternate dimension. <laughs> what the fuck was that guy talking down. about? They cut to <laughs> God. I love that the the movie turns into a Wes Anderson movie for a second, and they cut to the oh, UFO yeah. specialist. <laughs> this one, this weird one shot. Perfect. This man, perfectly centered, <laughs> with a globe next to him in a square in a pointer. Did uh, did you see the the little spaceships hanging up in his room? No, they are. So there's little UFOs in there because he's a UFOologist. Uh-huh. And they, those are actually props from an earlier Toho alien invasion movie called Battle in Outer Space. Well, that's a nice tidbit. There you go. And but what the fuck is the point of that scene? Oh, well, she must have fallen between dimensions. Doop a doop. And it, it there's no to be, payoff to yeah. that. It doesn't explain anything in a meaningful way because that's not what happened. Alien saved her. So we just cut to this guy who talks to us for 15 seconds and is wrong. I, it had to be. They wrote the whole movie. They shot the whole movie. <laughs> Look, we and someone this. watched the movie and said, why did she you, live? You can't just fall out of a plane <laughs> and then show up somewhere a week later. Right. Like, so they had, they had to reshoot or, you know, could just call it's some for guy. for the dummies in the yeah, audience, they right? just call some guy be like, well, uh, it's, uh, she, she fell, fell between dimensions. How is that easier to understand than aliens saved her? Well, I don't know. I fucking I'm not smart movie. enough to understand those I love those this movie, movie, Ralph. Even that not... dumb part that makes no sense. It makes me so happy oh, I, when his I can't stupid face shows up. I can't understand that. And I can't understand... Uh, blowing up oxygen while it's in water. <laughs> that's that's basic science, Ralph. You need to yeah. go back to school if you don't understand that. And then you're just left with hydrogen. What could go wrong? <laughs> okay, so Matt, would you recommend this movie to Fuck yes, yes, the average viewer like myself? Uh, it depends. Gather, sorry, I'm gathering my thoughts. Yes, thought please do. You know, we talked earlier about 
how older media is paced differently. Mm-hmm. No, fuck that. I'd recommend this to everybody. This movie rules. <laughs> it is. It's good. It's extremely fun. Yeah. I think it's it's a I I kind of think of it as a decent entry to the series if you don't want to start with the grim bleak horror of the first movie. You could show a kid this movie and I think they would have a great time. It is it is difficult with with these movies um finding a a jumping off point sort of and it's kind of um you just kind of, I think you just kind of choose whichever one interests you the most, right? Yeah, that's I mean, that's exactly what I did. Like, I, I think this is a cool one because of how many different monsters are in it and that you get to see them be goofy, but also kind of see them be scary. Like, Godzilla is a goofball, but he's also like kind of frightening when he first comes in. Absolutely. And I feel like that night scene where he blows up the ship, like, that's stuck with me. Played 100% straight and is eerie. Right. And, um, as far as like the goofy stuff, I mean, that just adds to it. Like you get a little flavor of like the early, uh, the early Godzilla sort of, uh, vibe and, uh, the later goofier stuff too. Yeah. This is, that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I thought let's start with this movie because it's a kind of a perfect bridge between atomic horror Godzilla and wacky superhero Godzilla. Yeah. It's kind of the exact halfway point. And uh, you get the spectacle, you get a fun story, you get the Toho monster team at their absolute finest banging this shit out. Yeah. It's, it is a really good movie. You should probably just watch it. You yeah. know, even if you only watch it one time. Absolutely. Plus um, the, the new movie uh, being tied to it like this feels like really timely yeah to do it, you know this that's that's the other reason why i wanted to, to dip into this movie because we've got maybe the 200 million dollar hollywood version of this yeah. coming out soon and that's extremely exciting which looks amazing it looks nuts so what you do i think is you watch this movie um, and then you drop everything else in your life and you go see Detective Pikachu <laughs> so that you can see the trailer for Godzilla and get excited for Godzilla. That's a perfect formula. Yeah, it is. It's and you get to plan. see De- Detective Pikachu that way. Hell which yeah. Is absolutely like win win. Yeah. Win win and then another win. Win win win. Right. And then you go see Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. What? What? You'd want to plug the blog? No. No. I've decided not. To. If you're here at this moment, you know about the blog. You know, or if you don't, <laughs> maybe you don't. I was joking, Ralph. I definitely want right, to plug, plug some the stuff. Blog. Uh, please visit monstersconquertheworld.com. You might have gotten the podcast from there, but maybe you didn't. You sprung for the dot com. Oh yeah. All right. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm dropping dollars Very on this. Good. I care about this endeavor. If you want to, if you want to read about me, if you want to read me excitedly cussing about these movies for thousands of words at a time, guess what? You got monsters, conquer the world.com. Um, so Ralph, uh, what are you doing? Why don't you plug some stuff? I don't need to plug. Please. Please plug some stuff. Um, I have one thing. I have a music label called hellscape recordings. You can go to hellscaperecords.bandcamp. You can check out all this stuff, and uh, you know, support those support the people that would trust me 
with their works of art. <laughs> there's also a ton of bitching music on there. I think I yeah, think that's important to note. Yeah, there's good stuff on there. So it, tons of jams. Um, that is what I'm gonna I'm gonna plug because it's sort of for other people too. You can also follow uh, me and by extension the blog on Twitter. That's at Monsters Conquer. We've also got a Facebook group called Monsters Conquer the World. So uh, definitely dip in there and uh, yak with us about monster shit. Yep. And go see this movie. Or go not see, go see it. Put, watch it in your home. Yeah, it's on... It, uh, I, we, we both have the DVD. Like $4 DVDs. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good like, deal. I think you can stream it on Amazon Prime I, also. I, yeah, I think it's up there. It's uh, it's not too hard to find. Yeah, it's around. Yeah. Not, it's definitely not the hardest Godzilla movie to find. So No, not by a long shot. <laughs> no. That would be... Uh-huh. The hardest Godzilla movie to find at one point would have been Godzilla vs. Biollante or Godzilla 85. Well, okay, we're getting down a rabbit hole. I'm going to cut that off before <laughs> before we go too far. All right. Uh, but yeah, be sure to check out Monsters Conquer the World next time when we cover Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh, okay, sign, sign off here. This is a sign. Bye.